Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. I'm your host, Sanjay Parekh. Throughout my career, I've had side hustles, some of which have turned into real businesses. But first and foremost, I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. In the creator space, we hear plenty of advice on how to hustle harder and why you can sleep when you're dead. On this show, we ask new questions in hopes of getting new answers. Questions like, how can small businesses work smarter? How do you achieve balance between work and family? How can we redefine success in our businesses so that we don't burn out after year three? Every week, I sit down with business founders at various stages of their side hustle to small business journey. These entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope while keeping their values. Keep listening for conversation, context, and camaraderie. Wayne Pelletier has designed thousands of websites over his 26 years in the industry, where he's worked as a web designer, art director, creative director, and now founder. Wayne started his company, Resonant Pixel, in 2020. He employs a business model that breaks the mold of standard website creation services. No more lump sum investments. Here today to talk about how he started his business, how he utilizes productized services, and how he balances his work and family is Wayne Pelletier. Wayne, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So I'm excited to have you on uh, because uh, what you've done is kind of interesting in the business. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about your background and what got you to where you are now. Well, uh, originally from New England, so that might come out. Uh, the accent does pop in once in a while, but uh, I live in Atlanta. I moved here in 99 after I had been working in the family business, spinning up websites and all kinds of ad graphics uh, in the late 90s after um, a stint in the army. So I've been in Atlanta at various ad agencies, marketing firms, direct marketing firms for the last 23 years now. And, um, you know, once you have roots and a family and a house, you're just kind of, this is where you live now. Yeah. It's funny that you say it's the family business because normally when people say family business, you think it's like, Oh, they're in like, I don't know, some right. like physical business of some sort. Oh, yeah, like, like a, a dry a cleaner. Horse farm or, or bakery, yeah, or dry yeah, cleaner yeah. or a winery or something. Like the family business is making websites. Right. <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you a 30-second really cool story on that. So my stepfather was a, a plastics engineer. He actually owns plastics.com and he had a molding oh, company wow. in this industrial park. And he, as a computer geek, he um made his own website in the early 90s you know, when they were gray and it was all times and Roman. Yep. And um, he put his logo on it and his phone rang off the hook. People were like, how did you get a graphic or your logo on your, on your webpage? And he's like, oh, it's really difficult. It's not. And then, <laughs> so he decided to do it for them for a fee. And then it took a year or two until the web design firm outgrew the molding company. So he sold off the molding company stuff and just basically built out his design agency is his agency. Yeah. And you say he Crazy. still owns plastics.com plastics.com. He still owns and kind of just works from home and manages that and has for the last really 25 years. Wow. That is amazing. Uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but Atlanta apparently is a big hub for domain name buyers and sellers. Uh, there's a lot of people that, that just live in that industry and, and buy and sell domain names. Uh, and for some weird reason, it it's here in Atlanta. So there you go. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
So let, let's talk about your own entrepreneurial experiences. Did you have any when you were younger, when you were a kid? Like, what was the first entrepreneurial thing that you ever did? I did, actually. Um, there was always like, you know, you're on like Pop Warner football and they make you stand outside of the grocery store asking for money with your helmet. Like, yeah, there, there was always that. Uh, and then there was um, moving around the neighborhood with uh, like a lawnmower trying to mow people's lawns, like asking if I can mow. Like my father made me do it. He's like, you need to go down the street and ask everybody if you can mow their lawn. <laughs> so going down the street, how many people actually took you up for it? And and how much money did you make? Uh, I don't recall exactly how much money I made, to be honest. But there were I was mowing lawns. I was out there in the summer pretty much every weekend. I was young. I, th I was probably 14 yeah, that was before I could legally work. Like once I could get a legal, like at sixteen, you got good grades, you can get a job or something like right. that. Right. Like I went to the grocery store, pizza joint, stuff like that. Right. So, uh, so were, were there? Uh, it sounds like um, your stepfather was an entrepreneur with mm -hmm. the 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 web business. But was there anybody else in the family that was an entrepreneur that you got to kind of watch and see as they kind of built their business? There were. There's some uncles. Uh, you know, one had like a body shop. One had like a uh, like a, a molding company that did like different types of contracts. And, uh, another was like, uh, inside sales. I don't even know what companies he worked for. It was like, <laughs> I think it was like digital and IBM, like, like back in the central computer days. Yeah. From, so Matrix. from those lessons, um, do you feel like that was the, the, the opening for you that said like, Hey, this is a possibility for me as well. Or, or was it you were kind of oblivious to the fact that they were entrepreneurs and you only realized that later? I have always uh, fantasized that reality. Yeah. I just wasn't sure how to get there. I didn't right. have much of a, a map in my head. So I realized it was, I always knew it was possible. I just didn't know how to get from where I was standing to where I wanted to be until I got a little older. And, you know, you're working you know, on teams, a digital agency at a corporation, and you're, you know, in my capacity, in a creative capacity, you know, you start to see how the business is run. You've managed accounts. You have direct client contact. Um, you're obviously deep with accounting. And then you kind of have seen all the parts. And I was thinking, you know what? I could do this. This isn't that hard. Like, if this, if this idiot can do it, I can do it. <laughs> so was that the motivation for starting your own business? You're like, oh, everybody else is an idiot. So, you know, uh, I can do it. I, I, it's crude. And I, I was, I was being uh, crass there on purpose, but I would say, yeah, kind of, it was like, obviously not motivated to spend an hour in the car to not own my priorities anymore. Right. Uh, like I, yeah. I've got to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, as you were starting this, you know, the thing that uh, I talk about, I, I like to know about um, and share is that all entrepreneurs have fear. There's something that scares them. Um, and a lot of times in, in the press and the media, that kind of gets glossed away. But I, I think it's there and it's real and we should talk about it because I think that prevents a lot of people from doing exactly what you've done. So for you, what was the fear? What were you scared of when you decided to to quit your job and do this yourself? Well, everybody has fear. It's just the ones that are willing to step through it, right? I, my fear was consistency, being able to drive 
enough revenue to pay myself to maintain, you know, my family's lifestyle and expectations. Can my daughter still do some of the extracurricular activities she enjoys? Can my wife still do some of the crafts and events and meetups and things that she loves doing? Um, You know, that's important to me that it's not like this big hiccup for a period of time where I'm like, well, you know, we got to shut some things down here. We're going to be running lean. Like I didn't want them to ever feel that way. Right. So you, you were, uh, you were okay running lean for yourself, uh, not necessarily running lean for, for family life and for them. I suppose. Yeah. 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 So, so what is it that, so thinking about that fear, how is it that you kind of manage it and, and dealt with it and figured out how to get yourself through it? Yeah. When you first start, or at least for me, the highs and lows, um, they can run like, to extremes. Sometimes you get a contract and you're on cloud nine and then, you know, someone's late to pay you. It's a big deal. And you're kind of running on fumes here until that lands and you're making phone calls you really would rather not be making. Right. Uh, I think I took it home and by take it home, uh, I went downstairs to dinner and got fussed at for bringing my work with me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just carrying it on my face and carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. Yeah. And I realized that without the drive, it's up to me to make sure that I'm able to turn this off. I've got right. to have that switch uh, because yeah. they deserve better. Yeah. And honestly, it doesn't, carrying the emotion and emoting in any way, really, uh, with regards to the function of the business, regardless of how I feel about it, doesn't actually produce anything. It's not productive in any way. So I've learned to be pretty even. Don't get too high with the highs. They're great. Don't get too low with the lows. We're going to figure it out. And it really doesn't come until you have confidence in yourself. Like until I realize that I'm the only one here that's really going to push this forward and move it through. So if there's an issue and it's painful, think systematically about what led me to this spot and then what systematically can I do to help prevent that in the future. Yeah. You you bring up a very interesting point in that um, so many of us have have uh, shied away from doing the commute and spending the time in the car, but that time for a lot of people and even for us is good to separate out what has happened during the day with what happens at home with, with family. Uh, and so you know instead of a a commute now of of twenty yeah. minutes, thirty minutes, whatever, you've got a commute of a, a minute and a half down the stairs. Down the stairs. Um, and so that it's it's tough to probably separate those those things. Do you do anything to to make sure that work doesn't bleed into like your downstairs life? Like make sure your computer stays upstairs, or you know, like w- w- how do you think about those things? A hundred percent, the computer needs to stay clamshelled in a space where it's not going to be a distraction. Uh, now, if I'm yeah. working late, I'm going to bring it on the couch. They watch a movie. I can plow through some things, communicate. That's right. fine if I decide to do that because it's necessary. But in I don't use notifications on my phone at all, really. I don't turn the ringer on. There's no volume. There's no notifications. That's really important. Um, I can't have something pop up while I'm cooking or cleaning or you know enjoying time with the family or friends that's going to distract me. I can't stand it when I'm talking to somebody and they pull their phone out and thumb. <laughs> thumb fight that thing for five minutes while we're having a conversation. What were we talking about? It's like, no, 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 no. I want people to realize that they're a priority when I'm 
talking to them. Right. I'm with them. I don't yeah. always ask for it back. I may have overstated how irritated I get, but it in general is, um, it's a courtesy, but I, I'm gotten pretty good at just turning it off when it's, when work's done, I shut yeah. this stuff down. I go downstairs to, you know, common areas of the home and I'm home at that, that. That's that. Yeah. So let, let, let's talk a little bit about your business in particular. Um, you've done a shift uh, in productizing a service. Um, how did you figure out that that's the way you wanted to go? And how did you figure out that was something that the market was looking for? And also, well, explain exactly what you did. Yeah, happy to. Um, well, made a lot of websites. And when you run a small agency, you're very familiar, even it, even larger agencies are very familiar with the feast and famine cycle of project income. Project-based income means that you always have to be selling future projects. I don't love selling time. And that's problematic when it comes to project work because you're either doing time-based pricing or value-based pricing. But mm -hmm. one thing that service businesses in the knowledge worker space struggle with is monthly recurring revenue. You might have some, especially web design companies or SEO firms might be like, here's a small retainer for hosting or here's a retainer for content. And then there's a fee for whatever level of effort uh, from an expertise standpoint, whether it's creative or content or whatever. And that's all well and good, but that still doesn't necessarily scale because in order to add time, you have to add people. Yeah. Right? That's the only way to create time. So right. I liked the subscription model and I've seen some businesses do this. I certainly didn't invent this whole entire paradigm. You know, there's uh, design join, design pickle, and there's some other ones out there. But um, with the understanding that there was likely to be something of a recession going into 2023, really last June, I started thinking and writing about how can I create monthly recurring revenue and create websites on a subscription model. So they got to be a fixed scope right out of the gate. And um, you have to like, recognize who your best customer is. And not necessarily from a revenue standpoint, who you really enjoy serving and interacting with. Who do yeah. you make inroads with? Who do you really connect with? And for me, that's usually small to mid-sized businesses, consultants, um, uh, startups, entrepreneurs. Uh, so with that in mind, I realized the budget and that backed me into the tool set I could use. I mean, made websites on all of the platforms, but I chose Squarespace because of whom they serve mm. and the, my ability to package that up. So just because you can create an account on a no-code platform doesn't mean you're good at making websites. <laughs> right. Right. They still need someone with expertise that they wouldn't normally be able to pay for someone who is, that sounds weird, but like someone who's been a creative director at a fancy pants agency that's been working with Fortune 100, Fortune 500 brands isn't normally accessible to somebody that owns a mom and pop shop. Just the, yeah. the, the, the paths rarely cross because the project fees are so insane at yep. agencies. It's, small, it's probably their entire annual revenue. So being able to make that accessible for those businesses, right? And ha handhold them, right? It's like um, 
not only is it a package deal, it's sort of a white glove service. Like I walk them through how things should communicate, how landing pages should communicate, how to set up a lead magnet, how to build their email list. So they go from just having a brochure where website that someone made for them on WordPress five years ago that has gone completely incommunicado to having a marketing platform. And they never wrote a big check, right? They, they just said, started up their subscription, we go in and make an investment in them and put skin in the game by creating the entire thing. And then we basically serve them like, you know, super amazing service in perpetuity. Yeah. So how, how long did it, so when you started thinking about this, thinking like, okay, uh, bad things might be coming. Uh, I want to get to the point where I've got recurring revenue. So it's a lot more predictable. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to get to the point where um, you basically, and or, or maybe you're still in this transition, gotten rid of the one-off project work and and gone all in on the productized side. That transition is still happening. Um, if you've read um, Built to Sell, not that I'm trying to sell my business per se, but a well-designed, a well-oiled machine is basically working toward a sale. Having operations in place, having SOPs, having repeatable functions allows one to add people and or projects and have an understanding of the impact that that's going to have. So the three different types of things you can sell, right? Done for you, which every agency and service company does. Done with you, which some do, more of a consultant thing, um, but can also be courses and things like that. And do-yourself products any kind of product or thing that someone would take and implement and or use themselves. So having those three things, that diversification is my ultimate goal. So I've already refashioned, you know, done for you by creating productized packages for websites as, you know, web design as a service. There's more content coming around done with you and done, um, which is website in a day which I've technically launched, but I haven't done much marketing and there's almost no content around it. Yeah. Um, and I love the idea of a website in a day because I'm really good under pressure. I'm really good in front of an audience with the design thing, someone standing over my shoulder. I know every other designer in the world hates that. I love it and I can thrive in that environment. The other one would be um, do it yourself, which is templatizing some things. I made a big change in my contracts last summer when I started productizing. It's subtle, but it's big in that I own the IP of all the source creative. Mm. And um, happy to take it out for any brands. And the only brands that have called me on it after a conversation left it in. It's about me being able to templatize any of the things that I make for them and sell that as a product. I see. That's my goal with that, right? So right. in order to do that, obviously, it's not going to be branded. But you know, you, you take their branding out and then I'm able to sell that as a categorical template to be implemented, um, either done with you or DIY. So, so it's is, productizing is, my things. Yeah. So is your, is your long-term then to still have all three or to just move into the, Hey, I'm going to sell things to let people do it on their own. To sell all three. And then ultimately probably prices go up on some of the, uh, done for you. If you know, demand increases, I've got, right. a, I mean, I've got a dozen of them. So it's, it's working. I'm selling a couple of few a month, which is yeah. perfect because if I sell anymore, I don't think I could get them all done. <laughs> right. But, uh, but um, it's about monthly recurring revenue and, you know, the, the holy grail passive income. 
Yeah. So that that that's why my question was there because you earlier said you didn't like having to focus on selling time. And even though it's productized, you're still in a way selling your time because like you just said, there's a limit to how many you could do. So is is the move to the, hey, I'm going to help you do it yourself, like the ultimate goal for you? Yeah, yeah. That's the ultimate goal. And do fewer done for you uh, yeah. and be more selective in that regard. Um, yeah. But you can't really get there until, you know, the expertise is obvious and the volume in like on my website was just one thing, right? So it's coming. I'm going to have the um, website in a day sort of in there as a, a nav item. And then uh, I've got a bunch of templatized products um, and I've got a really cool twist on that, that I'm excited about. So um, lots of themes and templates out there for every single platform, but I've yeah. got I've got what I think is a completely different idea for that. And I've made a bunch of that content now. I didn't want to launch it with like three items. Right. <laughs> I wanted it to look like it was already mature. So right. as I'm making things, I'm saving them, right? It's, it's, it's got it. Kingford charcoal. It's, yeah. it's plywood. It's MDF. Like all these things were invented from, from factory waste. Yeah. How can yeah. I monetize my waste? The thing about creative and writers and designers, especially, will will this should resonate is that like you make ten things, you show the client three, and your hard drive is basically two thirds things that nobody ever saw or didn't buy. Right. It's, yeah. It's crazy. Like yeah, sell all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great way of looking at it. Support for this podcast comes from Hiscox committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901. Quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, the business insurance experts. So let's change gears a little bit and talk about, and and we've touched on this a little bit, but um, let's talk about how you balance the stress and demands of having your business along with family life and personal life and, you know, the personal demands and all that stuff. How do you think about balancing those things um, beyond, you know, not having notifications on, not taking the computer downstairs? What else is there that you think about in terms of those things? It's not easy and there's no magic pill. I don't don't care what anybody says. I've done a lot in, especially in the last 12 to 18 months to be more intentional um, I don't have one of these perfect morning routines, but I do try to consider uh, stoic practices. And I love Ryan Holiday's content. Uh, it can really help me at times when I'm struggling with not taking the highs too high or the lows too low, right? From emoting. And, and, yeah. and I won't always realize I'm carrying it. I'll carry it for a while until I realize it. My wife will realize it way before I do. Um, <laughs> So it's good that she can just say, yeah, you probably need to pipe down. Um, it, it's not an easy thing, but having routine helps. Time blocking helps in small little ways. Um, taking time off and time away, not using notifications, going for long walks, uh, listening to things that are not business-related, podcasts or, or um, radio shows or anything like that, news I stay away from all that stuff. I will 
you know, read or, or listen to an audio book about business on occasion. I even name dropped one a minute ago, but um, I try to do things that are technology based or other types of content based, stoicism based, or something that allows me to not think about and design things in my head, right? Because all the ideas can come when I'm in the shower like everybody else. I don't need those when I'm driving. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, so let's talk about some of the things that you've you've possibly implemented in terms of technology or apps or systems uh, to help you manage the business, grow the business, run the business, whatever it is, mm -hmm. uh, be more productive. Um, what's the first thing that comes to mind or, or the first couple of things that come to mind that you're like, oh, I couldn't live without these things? I mean, Mac OS has done a lot. And everything you need pretty much comes with it, just to be honest. I know we take it for granted sometimes, the operating system on our computer. Yeah. But the way reminders, calendars, notes, these things, the operating systems, regardless of which one you use, has the ability to do these things really well. Probably as good or better than any other app because of the integration. Yeah. With the OS. And sometimes we take it for granted. I used to think I needed some fancy app like Todoist or... Dubsado or these things. And they're nice, but they don't actually improve your life necessarily. They, they might improve uh, someone else's life. Like having, um, I recently moved into Hectic app. I had been using Dubsado. I've tried Bunzai, one of these operating systems for small business. Okay. It's great. Um, they're all great, but it's about simplifying other people's lives. Right, having a portal for some company's accounting department to go in and see everything right. that they've they've done over the course of the year, so I don't have to collect it. Instant time saver, and the same thing goes with uh, you know having automation progressing from proposal to contract to invoice. So I don't have to write all of those. That automation right. is critical. Yep. Now it's only as critical as the number of things that you're onboarding. Right, if you onboard one client every three months, you probably don't need a tool for any of that. You can write those <laughs> things, take a half an hour out of your life. But if you're onboarding new clients every month, you start thinking, I really need this time back. Yeah. Well, yeah. and and it's time as well as uh, making sure that it actually does happen, right? Uh, humans are infallible. Computers are too sometimes, but they're less infallible uh, than than humans, right? We tend to forget things, but computers are pretty good at remembering to yeah. do those kinds of things. Yeah, that's why automation can really help, especially if you're a small team, you're solopreneur. Um, yeah. Some tools like Zapier and stuff that we're going to integrate your your different systems through APIs um, can really make an impact. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So thinking back about uh, the couple of years now that you've been doing this on your own, um, if you could go back in time, is there anything you'd, think about now that, oh man, I wish I'd done this differently uh, back then, knowing what I know now. Oh, th yeah. th there's apparently a lot of them. So what, what, what's the big, what's the biggest one? I don't know if there's a lot, but um, I mean, I, honestly, I should have started doing this 10 years prior. Yeah. I wish I hadn't been and some well, chicken. Why do you think you didn't? Why do you think you didn't do it 10 years prior? Uh, I'm not the biggest risk taker. Like I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not the biggest. Um, I, I mean, I won't do much gambling when I go to a casino. I won't do like, I'm not a big risk taker. So, but uh, do you feel like being a founder is a risk? 
because I'll reframe it for you in a second once you answer that as to why I don't it, think it is. I don't necessarily think that is. You have to have a certain amount of confidence in yourself. And yeah. just like when I first, and here's an example of what I mean. When I first started this three years ago, uh, you know, you're supposed to look at all these metrics in your business. You need this kind of revenue and you need this EBITDA and you need this 90 day window and this mm-hmm. 12 month outlook. And it's all crap. <laughs> Everything. Yep. I don't, I don't, I'm so glad I didn't go to B school. It's all crap. Your 90 day window is the most depressing thing on the entire <laughs> planet. If you run a project based services business, I, I, it was freaking me out. I might've been yeah. upset my wife when I went downstairs and I was like, ghost face. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a terrible idea looking at that number. I know that there's going to be a referral here and there. And I know I can do a pretty good job with that. I know that there's going to be a cold thing here or there based on content I've got out there and whatever. It it just happens. And that's fine. We can have those conversations. Um, But the number one thing that grows the business from a services standpoint is actually providing great service being nice, being real with people and treating them with, you know, white glove service, like really going out of your way to make sure people are happy. And they go out of their way to recommend you. Yeah. That that's the new business strategy is just be awesome all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So here, here's my uh, reframing on that. Um, You know, do it. I say being a founder is actually less risky than being an employee because Mm -hmm. as an employee, you could come in in any day and find out that your job is no longer there for you anymore. Whereas, exactly. Whereas as a founder, there's only one person that can fire you and that's you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're a hundred percent right. Job. There's no such thing as job security. You could be let go at any point in time. Yesterday, Microsoft let go 10,000 people. Yeah. So they all thought they had a job. Right. Exactly. So, uh, and, and don't get me wrong. Like, there is obviously a place for people that that need and want to be employees and then you know want to be founders. Not everybody should be a founder and not everybody should be an employee. Um, there's definitely those segments. But the the risk that you talk about is, you know, if you reframe it a little bit, it's it's actually not risky, right? Like who is not going to hire Wayne uh as an art director or as a creative or as somebody leading a team doing web development if this thing fails? Right. It, it's highly, I find it highly unlikely that you would be unable to find a position after right. this, especially after this, with that kind of experience behind you. You could even fall back and go drive an Uber. Like there are things you can do <laughs> to earn income, even outside of your core um, right. you know, specialty. If push I, comes to shove. Yeah, it's there, at least no... It's at least no more risky than being a job or Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So on that point, last question for you. What would you tell somebody who's thinking about uh, taking the leap and going full-time into their, their business from something that they had as, as a side hustle like you did before? Stop thinking. <laughs> Don't Stop even thinking. think about it. Just go. Yeah. Just do it. If If... If you even think for a second that it's something you might want to do, mm-hmm. ask yourself whether or not your heart is really there because you just literally had that thought 
And once you have that thought, driving across town to a job where you don't own your priorities, work for someone who's no smarter than you, <laughs> is bananas. You, that's it. You've already sold. You just haven't convinced yourself. Yeah. And uh, stop thinking about it and do it because you're not going to get younger. Like I started this when I was, what, 49? It's, you can do it, but it takes a couple few years for the momentum to build for there to be enough of it that is not automatic, but um, mature. Yeah. Right. For, for yeah. there to be recurring things and recurring, you have enough good relationships because you might have a hundred solid relationships, even at work, but only three or four of them are really solid. Right. Right. The same thing goes for clients. When you have uh, a services business that you, you know, you own, you might have 30 clients, but only a couple of them are really going to go to bat for you. We'll write you a case study. We'll yeah. recommend, we'll take you with them if they go to another company. Those yeah. are the relationships you nurture. Yeah. Um, Wayne, this has been fantastic. Where can our listeners find and connect with you? Uh, well, you can go to resonantpixel.co. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm everywhere, especially in the Fuse community, um, in that private group. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I DM people in LinkedIn like all day. It's like a new business channel. I'm always DMing people, just saying hi, checking in and saying, how you doing? That's great. I love it. Uh, so find you on LinkedIn is the, is the best place to be. That's the best like. one. I usually get back to people within a few minutes. Awesome. Crazy. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Wayne. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business through intelligent insurance solutions, visit hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X dot com. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit hiscox.com slash share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Pari. You can find me on Twitter at, at Sanjay, that's S-A-N-J-A-Y, or on my website at sanjayparik.com.